0: Good Tuesday morning everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Stacy Westfall from Perrysville, Ohio. And you're listening to the <laughs>
0: Westfall Horsemanship episode of The Horses in the Morning show on the Horse <laughs> Radio Network for March the 3rd, 2020. This episode is brought to you by Equithrive. Good morning, horse world. <laughs> Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us again here, Stacy. I just wanted to give our best to everybody in Tennessee this morning, especially the Nashville area. It looks like there's nine or ten that have died as of the tornado last night. Oh. Uh, which went right through nashville i mean very seldom do you hear about tornadoes going through the middle of the city but that's what happened uh, we're going to get a live report actually later in the show from lisa Wisaki, one of our hosts who fills in here on the show all the time and she lives right outside of nashville uh, apparently the tornado went about 20 miles from her farm so she's going to come on and kind of give us an update of what's going on down there, but we wanted to give our best. I know we have a lot of listeners in Tennessee. Many of them have checked in this morning. I saw the ones I know about. So our, our thoughts and prayers to everybody and their horses down there, because there's a ton of horses in Tennessee. So mm,
2: That's tough. That, yeah. I You know, I was actually at an expo in Tennessee in Murfreesboro, and we all got moved into the storm shelter area. It was quite the experience number of years ago to all of us be crowded down under the stairwells, yeah, and it was scary and it was nowhere near as it didn't do as much as what this one has.
0: Yeah, and you know that area just is just the last couple of years the Deep South has just been hammered by these tornadoes Mm -hmm. you know you used to think about oklahoma and kansas and yeah they still have them out there but boy it's in the deep south it's changed a bit and you know and, and actually florida's one of the highest tornado states in the country uh and we don't think about that, but I guess because you know, during hurricanes and stuff, there's all kinds of tornadoes that are whipped mm-hmm. up. So you don't mm-hmm. you don't hear about it uh, too many other times. But anyway, that's uh, our best to everybody down there. Um, and and you're supposed I'm going to Podfest, which my brother's trying to talk me out of because he thinks I'm just going to get sick and die on the floor right there. <laughs> um, and you're heading you're heading out west to a state that <laughs> does have. Uh, I'm
2: headed to Washington. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Yeah. Great. laughs>
0: You know, it's funny because I saw Twitter this morning. It's cancel They told all their 5,000 employees around the world to stay home and work. They don't even want to come into the, they don't even want to come in. And I saw yeah. all these conferences are canceling. I mean, there's a ton of conferences that I've canceled. Uh, mm-hmm. al- almost every tech conference is, is being canceled. And uh, the horse things go on because horse people, you know what? We don't care.
2: <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> are you
2: concerned at all? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of flying to begin with. So this is uh, like, I usually drive to a lot of the expos that I go like to driving with to the Washington horses. States a little, but a little yeah, driving up. driving to Washington <laughs> From State. Ohio. And, but yeah, and it is kind of it, and it is. I do. I, I'm like, I like to travel, and I like it because I like, I love the people I meet. You know, you get to these places where it's not easy driving distance, and it is always so fun to talk to people that are super excited and different area of the country and and spend all the time but I do, I do have to admit I'm I'm sitting here thinking I'm generally a very friendly person at the booth and now I'm thinking uh, like what are they recommending how many feet you stand apart and all these other different things I'm like this will be an interesting experiment. I thought in. about
0: reviving my suit of armor from the days when I was an actor at the Renaissance <laughs> Fair and, like, wearing that with my helmet and a mask over the helmet. Uh, what do you think? That'd be a look. <laughs>
2: I think I think you should do it, because I'm going to have on my red gloves, and <laughs> you're going to have on your suit of armor.
0: <laughs> Jennifer gave me every little bottle of Purell that we could find in the house, because apparently they're, like, sold out everywhere. That's,
2: that's what uh, I saw, too. Yeah,
0: so I have, like, six little bottles of Purell, and I'm on order to put them everywhere on my body. Every pocket's supposed (laughs) to have one. (laughs) I know it's not funny. It's not a funny situation. No. You you know, Washington, it hit the, you know, hit that nursing home, which is just incredible that, like, everybody in the nursing home got it. Um, And that's where all the deaths have come from. And I said, if that hits Florida, we're going to lose half the state. Uh, You know, that's what we have down here. (laughs) It's like... Yeah, it's... The average age is 75 and over in Florida, so... (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
2: it'll be interesting when they can get a handle on the number of testing kits and the testing and like what's kind of going on. But I uh, think we're going to find a lot more people
0: have it once they get that out. I I think that's going to be the case. Right. But. Anyway, we didn't come here to talk about that. We came here to talk about training things. We have Helena from the old uh, Stable Scoop show coming on. She has a question for you she wants to talk about. We have a whole bunch of questions you're going to answer about horses and training and things uh, from the auditor group, as well as we have Ginny coming back on from Collaboration Partners, like she does every month. And then Lisa Wysocki coming up later in the show to give us a report on Tennessee and Nashville and what she's seeing right now right now. So that's what we have planned for you on the Stacey Westfall episode, but we have an announcement in case you missed it. Tell them, tell them, tell them.
2: Well, yeah, I know. I was I was going to tell you, Glenn, guess what? I started a new podcast. Yes, you did. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> you I saw that know, on here before
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> before the show and I went, you started a new podcast? She's like, yes, yours. So I <laughs> almost forgot, but uh, yeah. tell everybody about it.
2: Yeah, so I have my own podcast that I do weekly, and then I'm on here on Horses in the Morning once a month at the the first Tuesday, and now... I'm on the and doing the Western Dressage podcast at the end of the month on your Dressage podcast.
0: Yeah, on the Dressage Radio show. So, yeah. dressageradio.com is where you can go find. There's the first episode of that is out. Uh, so, if you like Western Dressage, you want to hear about Western Dressage from, from one of the queens of it, then you can. Uh, I put that in their title, too, Queen. Of Queen. <laughs> Queen. Um, so. You can go over to uh, uh, dressageradio.com. You can also find that on any of your podcast players. So uh, yeah, and but, I'm not yeah.
2: sure if you know this, but I have a I have a pod a podcast. I have a Facebook group that I started last year when I was documenting. I started documenting in February. My I called it the Trail to the World Show, and I was like, well, I I can't guarantee what the outcome's going to be, but I can guarantee that I'm going to work from February all the way through the World Show, and I'm going to go and I'm going to show up and I'm going to have and experience I don't know what it will be and I opened up a Facebook group a Western dressage Facebook during that time and it's up to 3,500 people it's a private uh private group and so you apply and then um and, and it's got group rules and all that good stuff. But I also put a, a Google form over there. So it's kind of fun because I've got questions coming in through the Facebook group and through that form. And those will be populating out some of what shows up in the Western Dressage podcast.
0: Good. I'm glad because Reese and Philip do the rest of the weeks. They do three weeks a month with that. And we've just been putting best ofs up. And I'm glad, you know, Western Dressage is dressage. So it should be part of the Dressage Radio Show. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited that you're doing that. Thank you for doing that. Appreciate yep, that.
2: Fun, fun, fun. Thanks for having me.
0: And you've uh, launched a new online teaching course too. Yeah, it was time. kind of
2: interesting in my in my spare time, and that this one has been an editing, editing adventure of sorts. I think I've got around 160 hours of editing into it right now, and. And I am totally in love with this new teaching style, and so are the people that are in it. Because I just opened up the window for a ten day period, and and the people so that joined really it like
0: is like a course.
2: It really is like a course yeah. because what I what I learned on accident when I, I I started it and closed it because I wanted to build it using the feedback from. So I'd built about half of the course, and I had the rest of it outlined. But I know that as an expert, I'm. I'm likely to miss some of the questions coming from the different angles of like somebody who's just getting started. You kind of, for me, sometimes I realize I forget some of those, those little tips and things. And so by having a group of people go through the course with me as I was building it out was very fun to have all that feedback and have them ask questions and be able to go back. And because it's all digital, I can go back and and redo a module or a video or I made these things I that I'm calling audio ride guides and basically it's sort of like a little podcast of me coaching you while you ride through the exercises and techniques that I've been teaching you already. It's super cool and I've got a ton of good feedback on it. I love my favorite feedback was I didn't really understand why you were doing this but I thought I'd try one. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> so
0: what 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 are you teaching?
2: So this one is all focused around improving steering and teaching neck reining. So it's very focused on it's a it's a course on steering and then leading towards neck reining. Now it does it covers a very it covers meaning I show the first I I show the first several rides on my horse Presto, my younger one now, the one that I got from uh, the rescue group, the nurse mare foal. And so I actually show like ride number one, this is the steering I'm doing. Ride number two, this is the steering I'm doing. So it's very comprehensive in that it shows you like the very, I'm going to call it the very basics or fundamentals there. Because realistically, that's also what you go back to. If you run into problems, which is why when you go see something like the road to the horse or even when you see some of the Mustang makeovers, when things start not going the way you want them to, what you see sneak out of the trainers is like the most fundamental basics you go back to. So if a horse is going to start bucking, I'm going to bring the head around because they don't buck well when they're really straight. If they're straight, they buck really well. As you start to bend them around, they don't buck so well. So It's very complete in that it shows you from the beginning all the way up through neck reining, but I've also broken it into four executable modules, four different techniques and four patterns. So it's, I'm in love with it. And the people that are in there are loving it, and so it's, when, it'll be fun. When I get it, like I, I'm, it's closed now, and I probably won't open it up again for a few more weeks. But okay. it'll, I'm going I think I'm gonna take people through in groups like this because it's really fun to have that interaction.
0: And is it uh, found on your website, stacywestfall.com?
2: Sort of, yes, okay. you can find it there, but you can't join because it's closed. But you <laughs> can, yeah, you can read about okay. it. it. It so it does. It says you can find it on the home page, and you can go read about it. But yeah, it'll yes. also say closed.
0: All right, very good. I want to talk a little bit uh, uh, our first guest is ready but I want to talk to you a little bit when we come back after that about your podcast because you're doing uh, an episode titled How to Teach a Horse to Spook and I have a Hackney Pony and you know about Hackney Ponies, they spook at every single thing
2: So (laughs) So your horse could excel at this
0: Yes, oh he (laughs) You want to teach a course on how to spook? Just take my pony out. Uh, But first we're going to bring Helena on here who has a question for you. And Helena Yes, it is that Helena for the listeners going, is it Helena? Yes, it's Helena. Uh, and of course, Helena was my first co-host on Stable Scoop 12 years ago on the Horse Radio Network. And she does her own show called Stall and Stable. And we're going to bring her on because she had an interesting question for you. And I thought it'd be more fun if she was actually on to ask it. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to get her on right now. We're going to add her in. She was there two seconds ago.
3: Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Hi, who who am I talking to? This is
0: Glenn and Stacy. Stacy's <gasps> on here with you, so. Hi,
3: Hi. Stacy. I'm a little starstruck. Oh my god. <laughs> Hi, Helena. How are you? I'm great. I love you. <laughs> Stacy doesn't
0: remember, but she was one of our first guests, and we started like 12 years ago on Stable Street. I
3: know yeah I know I was starstruck back then, too.
2: Well, it's I'm thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for coming on. I love your question because I saw it typed in here. so yeah, i'm I'm very curious to know more. And, so am I
0: Well, Helena, <laughs> ask the question because i I saw it and said, well, this is a conversation, not just a you know, it shouldn't be something Stacy just answers. I think this is a conversation that we can all have.
3: Yeah, and I think it's especially helpful for us backyard owners who mix work and pleasure all the time.
2: Mm.
3: You know, so it's kind of a fuzzy line. On, um, well, let me let me just I'll read the question. Um, so many of us enjoy the personal relationship with we have we have with our horses. I recently got a an off track thoroughbred mare who is air quotes the in your pocket type of horse, and I've never had a horse like that before. So I'm really just loving it. Um, But there, so there's these physical and non-physical parts of our relationship. Um, Physical meaning touch. like, you know, I scratch her, her mane when she does a job well done, it's a nice way to reward her. It's a, you know, positive reward. Uh, Sometimes I give her a gentle pat on her brow because that seems to relax her. And so I use that touch as reward, but I also use it as, Something for myself, you know, as a human being, we like touch. I like to connect with my animals by touching them. Other times, you know, I'll go out into my barnyard. I'm feeling a little silly. I want to play. I can see that the horses have this pent up energy and I go out there and I bring that energy with me. So mm-hmm. the horses will respond in kind. My, my problem is how do I let them, the, my horses know when it's time to play and when it's time for work what kinds of cues or parameters can i set up for them that help them understand what i'm looking for
2: yeah i i love the question and and i love how you outlined it there so thank you you know what i what i first what first pops into my mind is the idea that the, there's several. Does your mind do that? Like six ideas all pop into my head. And like, oh, you, all, have and no all like like, ah! you have no <laughs> idea. I worked with her forever.
0: You have no idea, Stacy.
2: So, Okay, so let me let me try to break one at a time. So one idea to get into your mind is I talk a lot of times about a, a teeter-totter and rocking it back and forth. And so in this example, let's just get the idea of a teeter-totter where on one side we have all play and on the other side we have all work. And we like the idea that we could kind of have both. And so in your mind, it can, it can, it can, in my mind, my mind sometimes wants to have that, like this perfectly balanced thing right in the middle. But if you ever ever tried to sit on like one of those exercise balls or something where you really have to try to balance and not move at all, you find that you actually have to move a lot to stay on top of an exercise balance ball. It's just little micro movements. But I think when we're training the horses, the first layer of this that I look at is that that I, what I do in my barn, because I actually, even though I'm considered a professional, I super value the connection and the personal time and, and everything. But I'm very aware that I want to, to rock that teeter totter on purpose back and forth. And so I will work more towards work. I will, I will rock it to work for a while. And then I will rock it back to personal time with my ultimate goal being that I can have those at the pretty much the same time. And like literally like almost like I can switch gears, 10 seconds, five seconds. Like it's so simultaneous that it is like sitting on the exercise ball. But what I also know from doing this with so many horses is that it tends to go, it tends to be taught to the horse better if those rocking motions are a little bit more defined. So let's just, so we can get on the same page, let's just say maybe it's like three days of, of more defined work. And then, and then there's a couple days that are more, you know, uh, less, less structured. And another picture to get in your mind is like, it reminds me of raising my kids and like ideally that was the same relationship I wanted with my kids. I wanted to be able to be very playful with them. But I also needed to it, to be able to go places with them and not just have them exploding with energy and thoughts and bouncing things off the wall <laughs> when we're in the doctor's office or somewhere. And so when I have that illustration in my mind like you start thinking how do you do this already with people and aren't for me my best friends are the ones that you can almost you've got a joke on your lips but you're having a serious conversation about something else and you can bounce that energy back and forth Mm. does that make sense
3: it does it does I wasn't sure if it was fair to the horse who (sighs) may not be able to pick up on those subtleties
2: yeah I that's probably that was one of that that's my biggest over the overarching thing that I kind of I love to think about is that I think that they're capable of so much more than what we give them credit for. And I did a podcast a while back and I I think I titled it Be- going beyond prey versus predator. And it was my idea wasn't that you take away from prey versus predator. It was just the idea that what if what if that's just the base and what if what if they can go so much higher that they can achieve what you can achieve with your best friend where you can literally i had with my horse growing up what you're talking about where i didn't have the work side so well i had it okay a little bit but it, that was definitely the weak side but i knew that if i got playful that she i could literally get so excited and playful that she would feel free to like buck with me on her which that's a whole different discussion <laughs> like right. but i was a teenager who thought that was fun like i i was living my <laughs> black stallion dream like this was like I don't know if you watch the black stallion like I did, but the dude got dumped a lot on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I'm all in. If that's part of the black stallion experience, then I'm getting dumped. Like, but, but what I know is that when you say that you can go out there playful, I totally have experienced something like that. And I don't want to give that up. And I remember getting depressed at one point thinking that as a pro, I had to give that up. And then I actually decided. I like, I talk about it. I don't know. I I, like, I remember laying in bed in Mount Gilead crying. My husband was quite sure that the three kids had done me in because (laughs) I was like, I have everything I've ever wanted. I even made a list. Look, here's the checklist. I want an indoor arena. I want to be a trainer. I want to be married. I want to have these kids. I was miserable crying. And this Mm. was the year, this was. This was in 2003 because I literally said I will give it all up to have the playback. If I if that literally has to be I'm either a pro or I play, I choose the play with my horses. And that's the year that I did my first bridalist ride. Fascinating. Because I
3: was ready to walk away. It's but. I guess it goes back to what is the origin of why we're here? What What is the joy that it brings us? And and mm-hmm. everything kind of builds up off of that. You know, we become professionals because we want to live that joy all the time. So I'm looking for that middle ground. I don't need to be a professional, but I want to be really good at working with my horse, either on the ground or in the saddle. Um, so when I go out to my barnyard, we have a big green uh one of those extra large jolly balls yes it doesn't have the handle and so my mare likes to snort at it because it sits there all the time so she's <laughs> she's familiar with it but it's become a symbol of play so if i gently kick that ball towards her she'll snort and she'll start to buck and she'll start to run around a little bit and i've decided that i don't want to use that ball for anything else it mm-hmm. If I keep kind of using that as part of the play time, because she's at Liberty and, um, you know, she she's not necessarily afraid of it. And so yeah. I'm trying to figure out is, does she know that this ball means play so she can kick and buck and get silly when the ball is active? But when yeah. the ball is not active and I'm in there with her working at Liberty for whatever reason, I want her to learn that. The, the bucking and the kicking out and that stuff is
2: for only when the ball is present. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Does and that sound I, like a plan that could work?
2: Yeah. I'm going to throw out two ideas here and then you and jump onto whichever one you like. I'm going to throw, I'm going to go less into detail on the, on a huge one, and that is don't be afraid of working. So that's one we can open up more if you want. Don't be afraid of the work. That's the number one thing that I see is people who want to preserve the relationship are afraid of actually working the horse. But let's put that on the shelf and go back to your idea of this ball represents play. Absolutely. So I call it an invitation to be an invitation to play or an invitation to be kind of crazy. Okay. And people look at me like, why the heck would you invite that? I'm like. Well, there's two choices here. Either I invite it and deal with it or I pretend it doesn't exist. And in my experience, pretending it doesn't exist doesn't last long because then they pick it up. They, they bring it out somewhere. And so for me, the way this works, and actually, Glenn, this kicks into one of the questions that's kind of popped up time and time again has been about like loping and horses popping out a lead. Mm-hmm. So I'll go out and lunge my horse. So similar to what you're doing, Helena, I'll go out and lunge my horse. And I've got two different places it shows up. One, I'll turn them loose in my arena and let them run like crazy. Well, the first few times, like, let's just say the first six, eight times I turn them loose, they don't run like crazy. They're like, this is weird. Like <laughs> I don't know why I'm out here. I think I'll roll in the dirt and <laughs> and so I actually I actually move them around the arena and chase them and they learn, oh, this is an, a loud blast around like crazy in the same arena we work in all the time. Then they get into it and then I then I don't even have to be like I can be standing outside, I can clap my hands and it looks like they've they look like wild untamed horses, which is perfect. I mean, I love watching that. And, but then I also do it on a lunge line, which also surprises people, but that's very portable. And what Mm -hmm. I'll do is I've taught them to lunge. And so they're lunging around rather blandly, but let's say it's a young horse. So it's, you know, it walk trots and lopes and it's not dragging me anywhere. Not too long after that, I start like they'll walk trot and lope and they'll have their regular, and then when they're loping, I'll kick dirt at them. I'm typically lunging in a Sandy type arena and Mm -hmm. I'll kick dirt at them and I will make that kicking dirt and like that motion, I will make that an invitation to play an invitation to buck. And literally my horses are trained. Like I can go out and lunge them and they won't behave. They won't buck or anything. But if I can see that they've got that glimmer in their eye and I'm like, I don't feel like dealing with this when I'm riding them. Or maybe I'm at a big show and I'm like, I want to, I want all the energy I can keep. I'm keeping it all. Mm. I'm going to keep it all. And I'm going to, I see that glimmer in your eye and you're going to give me 18 really good lead changes like <laughs> with that energy. But if I don't want to ride that energy that day, which is typically always my answer with younger, greener horses, I see that glimmer, I kick the dirt. If it's in there, I don't. they just don't last that long. They kick up their heels, they run. This is Glenn where they'll tend to like pop out a lead in the hind end and run. And I'm like, not a problem. I'm going to kick some more dirt and you're going to pick up the energy even more and you're going to pop back into lead and then I'm going to lower the pressure. And so I simultaneously am teaching them how to get excited and come back down and they're like oh like i did all of that around i'm not trying to keep it all bottled up all the time like they like it doesn't exist got it
0: but I think the really good uh, freestyle horses, it's fun for them anyway. So you're doing a little bit of both, right? You're 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 training them, but you're also playing with them. They're, you know, they're yeah. looking at it as I'm having fun doing this thing, uh, and you, there you know, there are certain horses that aren't gonna aren't gonna go for that, and they're better freestyle horses than others. Um, and I think the ones that are really good are the ones that one like to learn and two, but like to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. you know, they're just like people. There's people that are old stick-in-the-muds that don't like to play, and then there's people that like to play. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, I, why is it any different than any other animal? There's dogs that just lay around and don't play ever, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just think there's horses that like to play more than others.
3: Well, well you, I think the analogy, too, of, of children is that, it, we have these relationships, period, with our animals and our our kids, and then within the umbrella of that relationship, you have like the the, the teeter tottering makes so much sense now. You you can be playing with your child, but at some point they're going to come up against a fence or a a mm-hmm. a, a boundary that you yeah. have to say, nope, you you can't do that. It's dangerous or it's unsafe mm-hmm. or it's not cool. So yeah. But that can happen, your kids and your horses, they won't hit that boundary unless they're playing. Right. And so, right. So that's what you're saying by it's, it's a constant give and take. It's managing the energy within that relationship based on whatever you want at that given moment. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it is. And for me, it opens up a full spectrum because anything you're afraid of and you try to avoid becomes a magnet. And what, you know, and so (laughs) it's like. So it's like, if this horse is like full of energy, but you're afraid to let it lunge and it might pop out a lead and it might get too fast and it might, it might overreach and it might, there's like all these, and and it might get the idea that it can be like, but there's all the, and it's like, I'm, I'd rather like figure out how I can address those questions and how we can have that conversation. And kind of like kids, they don't last, they don't tend to last that long in those playful modes. They'll, they'll run around and they'll play. I'm a horse trainer. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, you guys run down to the mailbox and back three times, and then we're going to talk about it. And Mm. I totally accidentally ended up training my kids exactly the way I would have a horse (laughs) because it's literally the only thing I had going on with me. But I knew from horses that if they got a chance to blow off the energy, half the problems would go away. But the one expected thing I, I did not expect to happen was all of a sudden, over a period of months, I noticed that the fighting was less and less. And I would hear like what I heard, like whisper fighting. And I'd be like, what's going on downstairs? Cause we had a finished basement and they'd be down there and I'd be up in the the kitchen cooking or something. And they'd be like nothing. They figured out how to not have everybody had to go down to the mailbox and back three times because I didn't know who did what to when. And they figured out real fast that if none of them wanted to run up and down the driveway three times before the conversation was going to happen, they figured out how to keep it all conversation level because none of them wanted to run up and down the driveway, all of a sudden and people would be like, how come your kids never fight? And I'm like, mm. I remember them fighting. I don't know what, oh, I do know what happened, actually. <laughs> like, I trained them. <laughs>
0: like, that All of that does not work with husbands, so I'm just going to throw
2: no, that out no, there. No, husband training works. sticks are way more expensive, <laughs> way more complicated. Like,
0: <laughs> Thank you, Helena. <laughs> Helena, give everybody uh, where they can find your show.
3: Oh, I'm at stallandstable.com. It's wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Stallandstable.com. Awesome. Thanks, Helena. This was fun. I'm sorry we're going to miss you at PodFest this week.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I'm busy working my mare. And uh, Stacy. thank you very much. It was an
2: absolute pleasure. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on. Bye, Helena. Bye.
0: All right, we have a recording next. Uh, you want to tell us about it?
2: Yeah. Uh, so Molly from Equithrive got a chance to talk to Dr. Vern and I know he introduces himself on there. He is amazing. His resume is amazing. So let's take a listen.
1: Hi, I'm Vern Dryden. I'm a veterinarian and certified journeyman farrier. Um, I specialize in lameness and podiatry. I'm from Southeast Arizona, where I grew up on a cattle ranch. I went to undergrad at University of Arizona. Um, Ended up going to Washington State Veterinary School and then Uh, Root and Riddle Equine Hospital for an internship in Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, ended up staying on for uh, almost 10 years there, Uh, was in the podiatry department as as a partner in the firm, and uh, then in 2015, I started Burr Oak Veterinary and Podiatry Services, where currently I practice in Lexington, Kentucky, and Wellington, Florida.
4: Fabulous. And what typically, what type of horses are you working on?
1: I work on a large range of horses, uh, everything from, um, your backyard foundered pony to your Olympic, uh, show jumper. So I, I have a very wide range of horses that I deal with. Most of the horses that I do deal with are performance horses. So, um, I, I, that is kind of my niche, um, uh, but no, no horses, uh, is, uh, unimportant to me. So I, I, treat all of them.
4: So after following you around for the last couple of days, I mean, people call you in, you are like the guy that they call in for these big cases. So what are some of like the most extreme cases that you would be on that you get called in on?
1: I get called in on a lot of critical, critical laminitis cases, uh, that, uh, may need to have surgical intervention, uh, de- deep digital flexor tenotomies performed in order to save the horse Uh, a lot of these horses are are breeding uh for breeding purposes uh you know just to just to salvage the horse and maintain a pasture soundness and breeding breeding soundness um i i do get a lot of the a lot of the higher end horses that are at risk that that may have a uh a laminitis uh flare up or something that that we can't take any the owners can't take any chances on and I end up coming coming in early, um, but uh, a lot of the times I I end up seeing the cases uh, in their critical later stages, and uh, I'm kind of their their last line of hope.
4: Gotcha. And then as far as preventative, or if you have a horse with laminitis, I mean, testing is key, right? Like you should at least be doing this a couple times a year, regardless, right?
1: Absolutely. Identifying early uh, and prevention is is so much more uh, advantageous than treating. So once once a horse has laminitis, it's uh, so far beyond uh, the scope of, of ease that you want to pre- for sure prevent it rather than treat it.
4: And um, what some of your recommendations are for um, uh, keeping and monitoring that a horse that may be prone to metabolic issues?
1: That's a great question. So I would say getting your horse tested is by far the first most important thing in identifying those horses that are at risk uh, once you've identified them whether they're metabolic equine metabolic syndrome with insulin dysregulation and or uh, Cushing's um, then we can kind of make a plan as to what needs to be done one their diet two their exercise and then and then any medical management as far as uh, 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 actual treatments with the uh, metformin or pergolide so those are those are things we got to consider uh, once we've identified these horses lowering their sugar content or their non-structural carbohydrates is key so we want to be sure that we don't put them on a pasture that is in bloom so a, a lush green pasture in spring is definitely not okay for these horses so they need to either be in a muzzle or completely off pasture in those times and and in the fall now we also recommend that these horses um, don't receive uh, a large amount or uh, to some degree any depending on how severe the case is uh, grains uh, because that's they're high in non-structural carbohydrates so we want to be very careful and we rec- we actually recommend giving these horses just a ration balancer with their hay uh, Now and a ration balancer is going to give the horse all the nutrients that it needs without the calories and the sugars that you get from a, from a grain. Um, Also, we have to consider the hay. The hay needs to um, be tested for sugar content. Um, I recommend that. Um, If you don't do that, the simple thing to do is just soak the hay. I recommend soaking the hay at least 30 minutes prior to giving the hay to the horse. A very simple way to do this is to put your hay in a hay net and put it into a muck tub, fill the muck tub with water, let it sit for 30 minutes or even longer, the sugars will leach out of the hay into the water. You raise your, your hay bag, your hay net up, get all the water off of it, and then feed it to your horse. Very simple, very easy, effective way to reduce sugars in your, in your hay.
4: Great. Now, are there any other, um, any other products or anything like that that you would use in conjunction, such as like Metaborol from Equithrive?
1: One of the products that I use routinely on, on almost all of my cases that have metabolic disorders is Metabrol. Uh, it does a great job of uh, allowing the horses to utilize insulin um, and then basically facilitate glucose uh, placement after they've ingested glucose so that it doesn't turn into fat and they don't harbor it. and it does help with maintaining a, 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 leaner, a leaner horse that uh, remove some of the fat depositions over the neck and the tail head. So it's, it's a great product and I use it on, on all of my horses that are metabolic.
4: And so as far as podiatry, um, and shoeing, um, do you recommend bringing in an expert for that, for these horses?
1: So you need to get with your veterinarian first and foremost, once you've made a diagnosis, uh, if there is any laminitis issues, uh, radiographic changes, the horse is acutely lamin- laminitic. Your, your veterinarian is going to direct you as to what the next step needs to be so that he can he or she can, can make a plan with the farrier if, if it's a critical case and you need to bring in a specialist by all means. That's, that's definitely appropriate. But I think your first, your first thing is to identify the horse as being a risk. Your veterinarian is going to be able to say this horse is a laminitis case, or has had laminitis in the past, uh, take some radiographs, see what our, our alignment and sold-up looks like, and then make a make a plan for uh, treatment past that.
4: You enjoy um, riding horses and competing yourself, so you've got some really nice rainers out here.
1: I do. My wife and I, uh, Cappy, and I have uh, some really nice rainers. We enjoy showing, we enjoy the sport, we enjoy the camaraderie of, of the rainers. Uh, we do some breeding we have a breeding stallion and and we uh, do commercially breed him uh, wrangling and check so um, we, we're we're in it we're're we're, we're horse enthusiasts and we love we love horses we love sports so um, it's it's not just uh, my love for for horses on a veterinary level. I love horses in general.
4: Fabulous. I mean, you were in this then twenty four seven so you know what all of us horse owners are are going through what we're trying to accomplish. That's very cool.
1: Yes, I do. On, on, on so many levels.
4: (laughs) That's fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Vern.
1: Thank you. And
0: of course it's equithrive.com is the name of the website, equithrive.com. Thank for putting that together. Do you want to go into a question here before we get to Jenny? So we actually get some questions in today.
2: You know, I was going to just really briefly talk about the idea that, you know, the whole metabolic thing. Have you, like, you have a pony. Mm -hmm. Is metabolic on your radar?
0: Uh, Well, yeah. He can't go out in grass. He has to wear a muzzle. He's very upset about that. He's mad at me (laughs) 24-7. So, yes.
2: Did you make that decision because of like I made that I don't know, decision blood test because my wife or?
0: made me make that decision because he was getting <laughs> too fat and his, his feet were starting to get a little toasty. So oh, then yes, she said, you were oh, seeing that's some it. of those. And then I, yeah. you know, try and overfeed him and I get in trouble. It's gonna cause a divorce, actually. Oh. Uh,
2: well, you know, horse versus husband—that that's a choice right there. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I—I'll have no. to take my pony with me, and then I'll probably pound oh, well, her because I will that, be feeding him too much. And
2: no, then you, that it's you got to avoid that then. Like just <laughs> just feed the pony right. So you asked, we, <laughs> I know. Well, it's kind of funny. Well, the reason I asked is because a lot of a lot of our reiners are borderline ponies, and so the little horse—I call her a reiner, but she actually earned her uh, ROM in the AQHA and dressage last year. And she's the one that I did my whole bronze thing with, but you know, it was interesting. Metabolic is creeping up there in my mind. And I'm not sure if it's because of her age or the fact that she's never quite been the right shape. But last fall I had, or la- yeah, I had her vitamin E levels tested because yeah. it was like, Hey, she hasn't been on pasture for a little while. Well, when I went to get the vitamin E tested, the vet was like, I know you're doing vitamin E, but do you want to do selenium? And I'm like, well, I don't live in a selenium problem area,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but, like uh, but I test all
0: the sand down here. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I don't. And I was like, well, you know, I'm testing four horses for vitamin E, but go ahead. This is my suspicious one on things. Cause she just got that look and I'm like, go ahead and test hers. We'll get this. She comes back off the chart for selenium. And I'm like, How? she doesn't like, this doesn't make any sense. And so I actually go to the, I go all the way to like calling like a nutritionist that I know works around the feed company that I use. And I'm like, how can this be happening? Because the only source of selenium I can identify would be coming from the feed. And she was like, well, actually you would have to know your hay because it can be different ones. And then she says this, or it can be a sign of metabolic problems that are brewing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no way. She's like, yeah, if you start testing for regular stuff and you don't have a feed component, what it can be telling you is that metabolically things are getting a little out of whack and you haven't seen the classic signs yet, which is what they were discussing in the interview is like laminitis is, like, is a dramatic sign that you have a, a good chance of having a metabolic issue going on. And so I'm thinking... I'm getting ready to do my whole spring, you know, Coggins tests and vaccines and everything. And and little Willow is going to get some kind of metabolic blood work going on. So, yeah, that's why I was curious about your pony. So you're saying my wife is right. Well, of course. I mean, that was a given. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that was one of the questions on the table.
0: (laughs) All right. Jennifer asked this question. Is loping a breed-specific gait or something that can be taught? If so, how? And then uh, Rad followed up with, that's a good one. I have seen horses that trot fast or more right into full gallop. Loping can be a gear that's hard to find. So that's a good question, actually.
2: You know what I've learned by doing this is that I don't have one simple answer when I go to answer anything.
0: <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, know that there's a lot of simple answers in life, to be honest.
2: <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, th- a couple things. First of all, with
0: kids, when, you have to talk to them about stuff. There's never yeah, anything simple. I've, I've like, got to be
2: able to out-talk yeah. three teenagers yeah, at exactly. one point. Like that's a <laughs> especially skill. Especially
0: teenagers.
2: <laughs> that's right. It's like negotiation, lawyer negotiations training. Um, so is loping a breed-specific gate or something that can be taught? I actually last summer stopped by a barn that does a lot of gated horses. And because obviously I have such a raining background, they showed me a magazine where this uh, gated horse was doing like legitimate sliding stops. And I was like, what? And so I read the article and it was really interesting because the trainer said the challenge wasn't teaching the horse to do the sliding stop. The challenge was teaching the horse to lope because when you ask whether it's a specific, you know, breed thing, Well, you know, a lot of your stock horses are the ones that we think of like quarter horses or, you know, paints, They're They're considered like a stock breed and they're very prevalent in the US and they tend to be walk, trot, jog trot, which is essentially the same thing and canter or lope, which again is the same, essentially the same thing. Where would you get looking at outside breeds like a gated horse, they've been bred with the gate as the primary. But like in this article, they were saying like, yeah, I mean, they, they can lope, but it's not, they're not as designed for it. So th- he said there was a lot more teaching of that going into it, which, so that kind of answers that question. But if we're staying inside of the stock breeds that are super popular here, um, you know, in the U.S., then and especially with rad's comment with you know the fast trot into the full gallop what i hear echoed a little bit more in that is that i tend to use like lope a lot of people tend to use lope as the western word for canter which what i mean by that is mechanically it's the same three beat gait but loping in the western world tends to be slower Where cantering tends to be labeled more with English, and a lot of times people picture it being a little bit quicker. But fundamentally, it's the same thing. But when Rad comments, you know, the fast trot right into the full gallop, now we introduce the idea of a gallop, which is more like racehorses, where they actually break out of a three-beat lope into a four-beat because they're like... Yeah, that's a whole different world. We're just going to kind of put that one down and walk away from that for a minute, too. And we're going to say that typically what this conversation is cycling around is an uncollected lope feels like a fast out of control thing that you might label a gallop. So what I tend to find is that especially when I was like I was growing up in Maine, I did all trail riding. We literally had nothing that even resembled an arena at home. And I would just go out and we would ride. Well, if you ride on trails, they tend to be relatively straight compared to going in a 20 meter circle. Like I'm essentially going straight all the time on a trail. And then when you ask that horse to go from a trot to a lope, there doesn't have to be collection involved. The horse can kind of like be trotting big and I'm just going to call it sloppy. It always reminds me of like, not that you can see me, but I'm like waving my arms around like this is helping you understand me. But like the trot feels very big and open. And then a lot of times horses will almost feel like they fall into the canter. And it literally, if you, as you learn more, it literally just feels like they got going faster. Like I remember being a kid and I love to run down this long sloped path. Um, grassy hill that we had it wasn't a pasture but it should have been and I wanted to pretend I was a horse and I would run down through there well of course as I'm a kid running down through there pretending that I'm bucking and swirling my head you know what I'm also doing I'm losing my balance and I'm trying to like catch myself as I'm like losing my balance running down the hill I'll tell you as a pro that's what it feels like to lope on a colt when they don't know how to collect it feels like running downhill like this uncollected thing And I think when you watch horses, they tend to like blast and then break gate. I love videotaping them in my pastures, but my pastures aren't huge. So if your horse doesn't have a huge pasture, they don't even know how to like maintain like a nice collected lope until somebody trains them. I think what's being talked about here is going from essentially uncollected trot into uncollected canner. And that does feel very scattered. So I think this is all a collection issue and you have to start teaching that collection in the other gates. And the and the biggest, I'm going to wrap up here, Glenn, really. I'm bringing it to a close. The, the biggest thing that, that you find is that when people have to move from the, I call it the elementary stage with horses. So it's just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with elementary school or the elementary stage with horses. It's just the beginning. But the beginning is typically you know, we use the reins, we pull on them, we full release. We use the legs, we kick, we full release. And what starts to happen somewhere between the beginning and the very advanced stuff is we start to have these subtle, subtle closings of the reins, subtle softening of the reins, subtle closing of the leg, subtle softening of the leg. And we start to find a need for a hand leg balance. Because if I'm going to teach a horse to do a collected gate. I'm gonna be somewhat responsible for a while to hold that horse together in a hug of the aids. That is typically what's missing in this. Got it. Woo! I need a drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you do that while we get uh, while we get Jenny on here. Jenny comes on once a month from uh, collaboration partners, and we have some interesting conversations. And we're gonna get Jenny on right now. Yeah, I. To be honest, I. Ne- I always thought lope and canter were like the same thing. It was just the Western versus English word. I. I pretty could much see was, you as know. a horse husband that loping was slower. You know. Yeah. Uh. Hello. Hi. Well, hi, Hello? Jenny. Are you there? Yes, we're I'm here. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for joining us awesome. again this month. We appreciate it. Yeah, great to be here. So. So, I asked Stacey you know, what we were talking about earlier and she said, I have no idea. So Well,
2: I, I I remembered one thing, Glenn, and this is extremely important, and it all hinges on you. Oh,
0: great. Right. <laughs> True story. You
2: you and I and I texted it. I texted it to to, to Ginny, so she already knows. <laughs> so you're on the spot now, Glenn. Oh, you geez. set a goal. You set oh, a no, goal last time you talked with us. What
0: did I do? Do you remember your goal? No, I have no idea. What did I say?
2: Your goal was to ramp up your eating before the cruise so you could maximize your food oh, intake. Oh, I did that.
0: That was no problem whatsoever. <laughs> I, I accomplished need- that uh, with, uh, with gold stars and sparkles. Gold
2: stars. So we need just a little, We J- Ginny and I need a little briefing on like how this ramping up went and how how you attained this. Because we're still totally jealous. And, well, and chips, yeah. to a
0: lot of year. chips. See, I know, chips I'm have, curious. Uh, chips are the key because chips. you can eat a freaking whole bag of chips without even knowing it right so um <laughs> True. I, and yeah. it's chips are you know i like popcorn too especially the cheesy popcorn you can get now um mm-hmm. but uh, chips are my my thing so i chips chips is the answer because you can eat them all day uh they're very fattening and uh they help your stomach expand for when you go on the cruise and we did eat a lot on a cruise i have to say that too
2: How, so, what did you try transi- just wow. You transitioned from chips to what? On well, the that's cruise. the thing. That's on the a cruise, point.
0: you can't find any junk food. We, we've been on, I know there's a first world problem um, because there's all this good, rich food on a cruise, right? Uh, everywhere, all the time, except you can't find a chip. Um, no <laughs> So, so no it's a chip.
2: sudden dietary oh change. I'm
0: not going. We took a longer cruise. We took one of the like seven day cruises. And by the sixth day, we were raiding the ship to find a chip because we just wanted a bag of chips. <laughs> um it, you know that you can would only totally eat, be me yeah you can only eat so much filet right and then after a while you have to have a chip um so and I, and it it is so true talk about first world problems by the sixth or seventh day on a cruise you're just ready to have a hamburger and fries <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> it's, it's funny give me a hot dog uh <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh,
2: okay, so I have to ask, how early do you set your um, plans for your next? When when do you set your next oh, ours, date for? Yeah,
0: your next truth? one's already booked. Yep, so. Uh, really? Yep. So, yeah, we'll be going on the next one in June. And that's 10 nights, so that's even longer. June? So, yeah, we're going to be bringing oh, well, our well, own you, chips along.
5: Do you do? you Yeah, that's, I was just going to say, I think you're going to need to pack some yeah. chips. Pringles, here case. we go. I would totally be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that would totally be me.
2: <laughs> do you all? I thought you always went in the cold months. Uh,
0: well, we're going north this time. See that's the difference. Oh. So uh, I can't oh, say yeah. I can't give any more details
2: at this point. Okay, but, uh, no more pressure. Yeah,
0: but no. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a d- different one for us.
2: Well, and this you know why means- we do
0: cruises? Because you do not have to think about switching hotels. We get yeah. to go to we get the same hotel and the same restaurants every night, but different places every day. Yeah. So you yeah, you know when you're. We were looking at doing a road trip, but when you're planning a road trip, it's a pain in the neck. Yeah. Because by the time you plan the 12 hotels and everything you're going to do and pack and unpack each time and get in the car and drive and then check in or not check in because the room isn't ready, it's just a hassle, yeah. right? So with cruises, it's so easy. You just get off the ship and you go do your port stuff and then you get back on, you go to the restaurant and you go back to your room. and And it's then the there's entertainment home. too. So...
2: It's the motorhome, but on the water. Exactly. That's what we had in the motorhome. Ex- exactly.
0: Yeah. That's exactly. That's exactly <laughs> true. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. I'm sold. But you know, Glenn, what we're going to talk about today is disappointment. In case you ever do set a goal and you don't achieve it, which you you nailed your goal, so I did. Yeah. we won't be it able to use your one. example. I had to work really
0: hard at it too.
2: <laughs> we're going to have to look for. We're going to have to look for a little bit harder for some of those goals that we might set that we <laughs> don't hit. But but you know we uh, Jenny and I are doing a live workshop in Ohio in April and it's going to be on the topic of goal setting and problem solving and I know I want to take a talk about equine business at that because I get a lot of questions about because I uh, even listening to me answer the questions today when Helena's on I'm answering the question I'm using the example of the kids because I just see the horses and the questions we have in the horse world just being like life questions also. And so mm-hmm. talking about disappointment just seems like it's just the other side of the coin. Like you set goals, that's like heads. Tails is the other side of it and you can't avoid that you're going to have to deal with some kind of disappointment and I think that would be an interesting conversation with the three of us.
0: I, I give it I funny you mentioned that because um and, and I do think it's even more, I'm not a very good goal person. I never have been, even though I was in sales. Uh, I had targets. I used to call them targets because I hated the word goals because that was too much pressure for me. I'd, I'd <laughs> sweaty. So, but, you know, it's funny. Um, we're doing this, I got this new electric bike that I love, and, and I do this show called Finding Florida. It's a travel show. And my buddy and I are riding the coast of Florida for a week, seven days in April and we're going to start top, and we're going to ride the whole coast, and we're going to record the show along the way. And, and But so the the point is, it's a goal, right? It's become a goal. Mm-hmm. So the other night, Sunday, I didn't really feel like going out and riding my bike. You still have to get in shape. Even though it's electric, you have to pedal. Um, and I thought, I don't really feel like doing this, but I went out because I knew I had to. It was my goal, and I enjoyed it when I was out there. But would I have actually started that night? No, if I hadn't had a goal. Yeah, and I think that's true with horses too. It, it's it, it, I don't want to compete, but it's kind of fun to have a goal, you know. In mind, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And I, I think what what I also heard you saying there, and then Ginny, I'm going to ask your your input. But I like I have also had those moments where I've really resisted goals, and I one way that I've worked my way into the word a little bit more or the thought was I'm way more okay with picking a directional goal, which is some, kind of what you're talking about a little bit more there, which is different to me than a specific goal. And I think they both have they both have different, it's almost like a starter goal. So like, for example, when I did the Trail to the World Show for Western Dressage last year, I said, I can't guarantee the outcome. Obviously, if I'm going to put in a year's worth of work, I'm hoping I do well at the show. But that kind of pressure to me, it's it's outside of my control. What I can control, I can control all the steps that should lead to a certain outcome that like stack my odds to a certain outcome. I can't control that outcome. And to me, there that minute difference is a massive difference. So directional goal for me sits way better than a targeted goal because I can't control, if my horse trips during the class, like it's going to be like, do I then declare the whole season of failure because I didn't hit that one outcome or, you know, it, there is something around that, that, that I, I notice I have to be careful with Jenny.
5: Yeah, I, it, this is so interesting because, um, you know, as a, as a business owner and someone who's been really growing my business for the past 10 years, um i am faced with this all the time of uh, you know setting setting some goals and then <clears throat> feeling disappointed about something not working out exactly the way that i had wanted it to you know um i just had that happen i'm actually traveling right now for work and i'm in california to do a leadership workshop uh, with the horses with a really really huge company that every single person probably pretty much listening to the podcast interacts with every day in some way. And um, and so we were all set uh, for this workshop today. It was supposed to be this afternoon. And yesterday at four o'clock in the afternoon, after we had gone to the farm and gotten all the, you know, gotten got get the tour and loved the facility and met the horses and interacted with the horses to select which horses we were going to partner with for, you know, the different activities. And we had this whole plan in place and we got this phone call at four o'clock from uh, our contact at the company who said uh, we've, they've canceled the entire program, not just our program with the horses, but this entire three-day, three or four-day leadership um, workshop that they were doing for their vice presidents and um, uh, because of the uh, stuff going on with the coronavirus. And so, you know, in that immediate moment, because this has been something that we had really, we've all been looking really forward to for several months, uh, really a great opportunity for the three of us that are facilitating for our businesses. And, and you know, when, and when, when you've been working really hard towards something and you finally are like, wow, this is it, like, I'm really, I'm working with this major company that is going to be utilizing this service that I provide and I've worked so hard for And there's that moment where you're like, oh, oh man, (laughs) this is this this huge letdown. And, and I think and I I think this happens with our horses, as, as well as in lots of other areas where, you know, disappointment is a really uncomfortable thing to feel and experience. And so we, we just avoid setting goals, right? That, that we don't know the outcomes of, or that we feel like we can't control the outcome of, and we come up with all kinds of reasons to not set and pursue big goals. And Stacy, you and I talk about this a lot, right? Mm When, in in the stuff that we're doing now and, you know, what's that, what's that goal that you have that just seems completely insurmountable? Um, We avoid that because if we don't set that kind of a goal, then we won't, get disappointed. Yeah. You know, and I think, I mean, I think that happens a lot with the horses um, that, that we are like, well, we kind of, we, at first we sort of have a goal. And then, and then as we start to really think about not how hard it's going to be to reach that goal, but what it will feel like if we don't.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not the failure, the failure of even trying, like it's basically failing first but, and it's, right. if you look at it like that, you can actually look at it like failing to try is a version of failure.
0: Well, and so avoiding and failure is that's the reason most people don't try anything. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, if there wasn't failure mm-hmm. at the end, we'd all be doing everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Right? You know,
2: <laughs> it, when you were describing your, your recent disappointment, Jenny, it made me think it was 10 years ago now that I showed Willow's dad – Out at the reigning fraternity, and that was a very specific goal. And I made it back to the finals, which is huge. And I ran in, It was a run-in when you make the finals; it's a run-in pattern. And I ran in, and did my sliding stop, and I started to back up. Well, when you muscle memory is an interesting thing to study. (laughs) So I started to back up, and he started to go a little bit sideways, just a little bit. And my options at that point are you're you're required to ride one-handed. I ride a lot of different ranges. I reached up with my little finger. I never even thought about it. Like I didn't even, and I reached up and I hooked the one rein. So I'm still one handed, but I reach up and hook that finger literally for like two steps and release. And I got DQ'd for it. And Mm -hmm. I DQ'd myself and my horse. And for me, it was like, this horse gave me everything. I literally didn't even know I'd done it. I mean, I got done. They're like, it'll be held for review. My husband's like, what the heck happened? I'm like, I don't know. And he was back. He was at the gate. So he couldn't have seen my hand because it would have been right through my body. And so we end up getting it back and finding out and all this stuff. And when I wrote an article for America's horse, when the editor got it, I had it titled death of a dream. And they said, don't you think that's a little dramatic? And I said, no, <laughs> no. Not at all, actually. It feels exactly like a dream just died right there. And I actually talked about the grieving process because like, you know, because it was the first time and it was because I had lost my um, my dad not too long before and I'd finally recognized like what the grieving process looked like. But it was kind of an interesting to unpack that you can have like the mini grieving process and it can happen in like minutes or days, or you can kind of deny that it happened at all, or you can just avoid setting goals so that you can avoid it in all the places that you, you know, can control like that. Cause you obviously can't control death and other disappointments, but yeah.
5: Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, that that's exactly the kind of thing where we, I mean, usually when we feel like we didn't achieve a goal immediately, it's, I'm so disappointed in myself or I'm disappointed in my horse, or I'm disappointed with these other people, and 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 just that thought process. I mean, you to say the word, like say the phrase, "Oh, I'm so disappointed." Right? <laughs> the tone of your voice. I mean, everything. It it, dra- it drags everything down. It sucks things out of you, and um, and so you know, I think it's one of those things for me anyway. And like with with my colleagues that I'm out here with. You know, we all had that that initial moment, like the moment that that this contact person on the phone was on speakerphone with us. And she said, um, yeah, I need to let you know that we're canceling the whole program, you know, not just the piece with the horses, but the whole program, uh, because our our vice presidents need to be with their teams right now. And and we all there were you could feel literally this collective like energy suck going on right in the moment as we're all sitting in the car um and so we and then all three of us were kind of processing it very quickly in our own way in that moment while we were finishing the phone call and then when she hung up we all were kind of like well okay all right well now what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. and, and and it was really good because I was really grateful to be with two other people who um, who think very much the same way I do. Of OK, this happened. This is really a bummer. Um, but then it's like, well, we're still going to get paid because we have a contract with them. And so then we're like, well we're out here. We're in California. Party time. (laughs) Well, hey, we can go do some, we can go do some other fun stuff, you know, and so immediately we all were able to see it not as a failure, you know, and I think that's maybe the important piece um, of, of looking at disappointment of it's not failure when you get disappointed because something didn't work out right. You can look at the circumstances and be like, okay, well, is there anything i could have done differently and and if not you have to just sort of look at it and go well that just really was a bummer that that happened like stacy for you uh, you know i'm sure that you have i mean listen that's 10 years ago and you and you telling the story like i can feel like you are just reliving it in the mm-hmm. moment <laughs> as yep. you're telling it and um but the reality is is it happened um it really it wasn't a major catastrophe in the big scheme of things, right? In the big Mm -hmm. picture of things. Um, But in the moment, it was something that you had, you had a dream, you had a goal and, and making that mistake was something that was like, oh my gosh, I'm just not even going to try again kind of thing. And it takes a lot to pick yourself back up and go forward from that. Um, But I think really understanding that it's okay to feel that disappointment in the moment. But then the important part is, what do you do next? And having people around you who can help acknowledge, go, yeah, man, that that's really a bummer that that happened. Um, But okay, so what can we learn from it? And what can we do differently? And you know, kind of asking those questions is, to me, what helps us move forward from it.
2: It's the hidden gift. It's the gift that this is so amazing. It's the gift you deny yourself when you don't practice. Setting yourself up for things that you could feel very happy, proud, excited about, or disappointment is another option. But the fascinating thing to me is the better you get at processing that feeling of, of disappointment and moving through it. Because I'm not saying you get to the point where you don't feel it. And that's why right. I'm not afraid to speak in a way that you can still feel that that was a vibration there. That was a thing. That was a feeling that I had there. But the gift Is that the more you practice it, the faster you get it going through it. Like you guys in the car, you're all like, that's what you're doing is you're like emotional processing experts. That's what you practice and teach. And ironically, this is exactly what we want our horses to be able to, we're like, all I want is a horse that can like, I don't want it to not be scared of the deer. I just want it to process fast enough that it doesn't like buck me off and run home and never let me saddle it again. Like literally right. what we want out of our horse is that the horse can be like, ah, oh, oh dear. Oh, that's, I got it. Like we don't mind if it's that little shutter or whatever, and we're not denying that for the horse. And I'm not saying we should deny that for ourselves, but a shutter mm-hmm. is completely different than all the wheels falling off.
5: Right. Right. And I think that's a great way to look at it, you know, um, cause again, I think we, we put so much pressure on ourselves and then on our horses, right. Of this expectation um, <clears throat> that the horse, that the horse should be a, this certain way all the time um, you know, look at like when, when something happens, you walk your horse past something that you've walked them past, who knows how, you know, a hundred times. And, you know, there's that one time that for whatever reason, your horse goes, Oh my God, where did that come from? I've never seen that before. And, and I, I think in our mind, a lot of times we, we immediately go to, I'm so disappointed in my horse for responding that way. And, Mm -hmm you know but in the moment you you know you have to remember that you know honestly the horse may or may not remember that they've been that a hundred times
2: <laughs> i my the pod the next pod the podcast that comes out on my podcast is titled how to teach your horse to spook and it's essentially a backwards look at that exact thing that i was discussing with with my little horse presto and spooking at a a spot of light in the arena which is something we have addressed Four, I counted it. The last 75 rides have been in this arena. Nine times out of 10, there's a spot of light. We've addressed it every single time. And yet yeah. on this given day, this is what happened. And so, yeah, it's, I do at the end of the podcast, I actually go through how to not teach your horse to spook, but I, Glenn, I don't know how you're doing it. I, I like, I, I found myself, I'm like, I'm going to teach this whole podcast backwards. I'm going to teach on how to teach your horse to spook, which you said your pony is ready to be signed up for. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, you can just <laughs> to bring him over. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> you know, it's, he's ready to ace it. <laughs> it's funny because. Uh, Definitely. I brought up with Monty one time um, when he was on the show that uh, the pony spooked when something would run in the woods. Like if we'd be going down the road and there's a lot of spots where there's no development here and we're in a question neighborhood and there's just woods. So if something would run in the woods, he'd spook and bolt. Uh, mm-hmm. And Monty was like, just get a whole pile of leaves and put him in a stall and let him... Let him sleep and walk around on leaves, so it's making all that noise. So it, you know, there's a desensitization that was an interesting approach, uh, which is kind of what you were doing with the spot, right? Um, But you know what, he He still kind of does the leaf thing every once in a while, and I think that's just, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to grow out of that. Now, Um, here's
2: an interesting fact for you, Glenn. You need a Dalmatian. Uh, This is the answer to your (laughs) thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so, this is like, so when I was in college, all it was, at, it was an equestrian school. I went to the University of Finley. And so, not only were we all at the barn with horses, well, it was like a dog culture, just like the horse shows are. Right. So, like, all these students, we all had dogs. So, the majority of people decided they'd get all these like cattle breeds. And then there's me, who I've done all my research, and I'm like, I'm going to get a Dalmatian. And they're all like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, it's a carriage dog. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, a Dalmatian is a carriage dog. It's not an accident that the Budweiser team has a Dalmatian. A Dalmatian is a carriage dog. And it is fascinating, Glenn. You know what they do? You got to research this. They run giant circles around the carriage and the horse as they run. So, like, imagine you're driving your pony and, it, okay, imagine the Budweisers. The Budweiser, they're driving and this dog is running this huge, like, 200 foot loop. All the time. This big giant wandering circle. Well, you know what it does? The horses are like, well, it's just Sammy out there running through the woods. And they're actually flushing out all the game. They're flushing out the deer and the birds and all this stuff. This is the actual origin of my carriage dog. Carrot junk. It's pretty cool.
0: Jenny, thank Sorry. you so much for joining us. We have to run, uh, give the website again. And apparently you have time now because everything's canceling. So you can. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> uh, my website is uh, the collaboration com. People can see the kind of, uh, cool work I get to do with leaders and teams. And, um, thanks you guys for having me on. That's a great conversation and very timely. And, uh, and I can tell you that I am never disappointed on our phone calls.
0: Oh, yay! yay. And you guys, real quick, you're doing <laughs> something together, right, in the summertime? Yes.
2: We're doing three yeah. workshops this year, okay. and they're, we're doing three of them. They're going to be here <clears throat> at my facility in Ohio, and the first one's in April, and you can find that on stacywestwald.com. It's right on the homepage.
0: And look, it's an actual, yeah. you're you're doing an actual clinic with horses, so people can wear gloves and they don't have to touch each other. It's fine. <laughs> Yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny.
5: Thanks, you guys. See ya. Thanks. See ya.
0: All right. Let's take one quick question here before we we uh, That's talk.
2: That's a good joke. <laughs> before, <laughs> You're funny.
0: <laughs> before we talk to Lisa down in Nashville, which is getting worse now. There's 20 dead down there. Oh. Um, before we get to Lisa, let's uh, let's answer. Let's ask one. I'm, I'm predicting this one's going to be quick. All right. So I'm, okay. I'm taking this one. That is your goal. I'm setting a goal for you, okay? A goal? Yeah. I'm, I know, a lot of pressure. Um, this is from Sam, who says, I'm pregnant and not supposed to ride until summer. Do you have any training tips or groundwork ideas in keeping young horse fit and mentally engaged? I know just lunging can be mon- monotonous and stress their joints, yes. <clears throat> but, she says, we've been taking walks around the farm, ground driving, and doing some basic trail challenge training, walking over tarps, through pool noodles, et cetera, you got it, Sam. I don't know. It's perfect what you're doing.
2: What was my? How short was my goal?
0: Uh, you you have two minutes.
2: I can do it in. It, I can do it in ten seconds. Yeah, she's doing great. I recorded right? an entire podcast oh, of this perfect. on episode 66 of my. There you go. <laughs> my, perfect. But but and I really did. It was kind of. It's kind of that, funny it, because that, I really did that is do.
0: Stacy Westfall podcast episode 66.
2: That's right. And it was a q and a. And so somebody called in and left this as a question. And, yeah, I do think you're actually really on track probably more than you think you are in in that podcast. I really outline actually goals because i I know that when I was pregnant and wasn't supposed to ride and was doing groundwork and stuff, did anyway. there was i there was well, there <laughs> what I noticed was there was this. there was this mental battle of like, but if I would be so much further ahead if I were doing this and this and this. But really, if you stop right now, anytime somebody says you can't blank, the first thing your brain wants to do is give you a hundred reasons why that one out of limit thing would be the best ever. So there's actually I experienced a big um, I experienced a lot of stress around almost criticizing myself for what I wasn't able to do during that time instead of fully embracing what I could do and writing down things like. You know, uh, I wish I could be, you know, riding 10 horses a day. And I'm like, well, let's set up your life so that six months from now, that's what you're doing. If that's really your goal, you know, if, if you're feeling a level of frustration, but I go into detail there, but like the lunging monotonous stress on your, on the joints, I'll go a little more specific for Sam, but yeah. So I would actually look at what might, like, you're afraid of them being bored and different things like that. Liberty training. There are amazing Liberty training things. I know Luke Gingrich does an online Facebook, um, class for like $20 a month. It's like you can join and you can see like very simple things you can do, but simple, it can be complex and yet something you can still work on while you're pregnant. So like for me, when I was teaching horses to bow, you know, there's ways that you can teach these tricks that start to become higher level. So it doesn't feel like there's a number of how many times you can send a horse over a tarp before you're like, okay, like he's fine with the tarp. This is a little, and what's happening there is you're actually trying to stay in elementary school. So if you want to make this more challenging, it doesn't have to be more physically challenging, but you just start moving up. You go like, well, what would high school look like? Well, it could be at Liberty in a round pen, walking over a tarp that's. 10 feet away from the rail. So the rail's not just guiding him there. And it could be, it could be teaching him to bow or teaching him to lay down or teaching some of these things that are automatically higher level. And they, they will require more accurate pressure and release or cues or touching and, and, and communication with you and your horse. So that's where I'd go.
0: Very good. Uh, you were only 30 seconds over.
2: Yeah, I know. i, I, I
0: <laughs> You should I, feel disappointed and dejected
2: because dis- you I'm, didn't meet I am, your goal. I am. I am going to learn my lessons. <laughs> I am breathing in. <laughs> Is it bad if I didn't feel a shudder of disappointment? At all? <laughs> I, like,
0: <laughs> there are certain goals that are more important to people. Than okay, others, so. that
2: that must be that must be the thing because I'm thinking. Wait a minute, I'm not actually feeling disappointment. <laughs>
0: All right, let's, uh, let's, I know this is kind of a somber thing to end the show with, but um, we're going to go right now to, if you don't mind, to uh, Lisa Waisaki, who's down outside of Nashville, and uh, they just had this horrible tornado. God, it must have been a big one. And I'm just looking, I was just brought up some of the pictures and things. I mean, it took out a bunch of the town. Hi, hi, Lisa. I'm on here with Stacey
2: Westfall. Have you two ever
0: met?
6: Yeah, we have my, my booth was down from your Stacey at the Midwest uh horse fair a couple years ago.
2: Okay. okay. I, I thought you might say the one in Tennessee that we ended up like standing in a storm shelter. Were you with that one? <laughs> I was with that one too, yes. yes, <laughs> yes see, there, you remember yeah. the storm shelter? I was like, that's my that's my experience of that's my experience of Murfreesboro like standing in a storm shelter thing and then running north away from there.
0: Yeah.
6: Yeah. Well, Lisa that, has a lot of experience us. in
2: storm shelters, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, <gee.
6: laughs> Yeah, I bought my house when I bought my house in West Nashville 20 some years ago. The first 4 years I was there, I had a tornado come through every year. Wow. Yeah, well, lost four roofs in 4 years. But
0: but yet yeah. you texted me this morning, which is why I wanted to have you on. You said last night was the most terrifying night you've ever had.
6: Oh yeah. Yeah, it was and you know, we were 20 miles from where all the devastation is and it was I I was looking out my front porch and I couldn't see the the far side of the front, front porch four feet in front of me. I mean, it was coming down so hard, so fast that I couldn't see four feet out from my house. And, you know, there's always the conundrum. Do you leave the horses in? you put them out? And, um, we decided to put our therapy horses out and, um, we, we lost a roof on our barn last June. And I thought, you know, if there's some damage, then, you know, the horses can kind of keep themselves safe. And I've heard from three people who have lost barns, uh, last night. So I'm, I'm kind of glad, you know, they were a little freaked out with all the rain. We didn't get much wind, but we got a lot of rain. We got some hail. Um, but holy cow, the, the devastation in Nashville, West Nashville, all the way down I-40 into East Nashville is, and and beyond, is horrible.
0: I'm looking wow. at the pictures. I mean, they're up to like almost 20 dead now, I think, and I think yeah. the number is going to rise quite a bit. Um, I think it will. Yeah, this had to be a, a very large tornado, and but you know, and we're not used to it going through the city. You know, we're used to tornadoes for some reason avoiding cities, um, yeah. But occasionally they do, and boy, it's always in the south that the cities get hit. It seems like.
6: You know, everybody keeps thinking of Oklahoma as the big tornado alley place, but uh, I saw a statistic a couple of months ago that we get more tornadoes here in Tennessee than Oklahoma does.
0: You do. Mm -hmm. I saw that today, too. Yeah, uh, Texas is the uh, number one state for tornadoes, and then, you know, t- Tennessee is actually number two, I think. Florida wow. was number three, uh, and then Oklahoma really? came in number four. But, yeah, It makes sense that Texas is, it's a big state, right? So,
2: um, right, right.
0: But, yeah, you but guys— But, Stacey, are, how about you up, up in Ohio? How do you,
2: do you no, get that? No, I, like, I, like, we'll get storms, but no, nothing like this, which actually makes me want to ask some questions, and and I'm going to sound like I don't know, but I don't know, because, you know, we'll get— snowstorms or I, when I lived in Maine, we would get the edges, the ends of the hurricanes or things like that. But essentially compared to any of this stuff, pretty much, I can say I pretty much don't like somebody around here will correct me and say this somewhere, but I have, I've seen one. Like I remember I was really scared when one of my sons was really little, we were driving once with a truck and trailer and we could see one off in the distance. And so that's my closest thing. And it was, it was really scary, but it was not, it still felt more distant. Um, right. So what are the, like, wh- I vaguely, seriously, my most close thing was that that event we were together at in Murfreesboro. Yeah. So <laughs> aside from that, like, aside from that, like, what options, because I remember even there, it was like, oh, we have a whole bunch of horses here. Are we turning right. these things loose? So, What are we doing with them? Can right. you walk me through, like, a little bit on the I think I know more about the people side because you at least hear, like, you know, go get in a bathtub, go in an interior, get away from windows. Yeah. Um, What do people do about horses? Like, you know, I think it's
6: situational. So if you have, you know, a a $50,000 show horse, um, you may not want to turn that horse loose in the pasture. But then on the other hand, if the tornado takes your barn and you're. Your horse is stuck in the barn. Then that could be terrifying. And and we've had some, uh, some gas leaks and some fires uh, here in Nashville just this morning. Um, I just heard that a FedEx warehouse just kind of blew up um, mm-hmm. on the east side of town. So you don't want your horse to be stuck in the the barn. Um, we have uh, uh, about a thousand feet of creek uh, alongside one pasture and the creek tends to come up and we have one draft cross that is fascinated by water. So, you know, I was just up all night concerned that he was going to be attracted to the water and kind of get swept away. Um, but we have a really strong lead mare and I think she kept them up but you know if you turn the horses out then there's a chance that you know a tree flying could fall debris. on them if or you've got trees in the pasture. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly flying debris if there's floodwaters which could be coming um, from if, the
0: neighbor's farm i mean it's, yeah. it could be yeah, yeah. it could
6: be it could be anywhere it could be coming from five miles away and the tornado just drops it you know um so it's six of one half a dozen of the other and and you just have to kind of say what's my Best guess and just go with it. And
0: so these were. This was a rain-soaked tornado, which is even worse. I mean, yes, yeah, that's even worse because y- you know, yeah. yeah, it's just meaning
6: uh, you can't see it. Yeah, you know, and and um, I've been watching our CBS affiliate this morning, and um, they've been running on a generator since about midnight last night. They're pretty much smack in downtown Nashville, but they had some footage of the tornado coming toward them, and um, it was really scary really scary. I
0: think that we've been Jennifer and I have had the unfortunate um, (laughs) have the have been unfortunately through almost every kind of natural disaster you can experience Uh, and tornadoes are just (laughs) the scariest Uh, it's just because you don't know like a hurricane you know it's coming right you can prepare, you get ready but that's just it
6: That's just it because they said in West in West Nashville they had three minutes notice because it was rain soaked and they couldn't see it. In the east part of Nashville they had six minutes notice, and (sighs) you know, can kind of during the day the air kind of turns greenish, uh, and it, it kind of reminds me of the Wizard of Oz a little bit because the air just turns green and then it sounds like a freight train coming through. It just sounds like a freight train, and so you just kind of have to be careful. But a lot of times you don't have a lot of notice. And that's, you know, you don't have a lot of time to prepare.
0: I noticed some of our listeners, our auditors, were saying they drove through Nashville to get to work this morning and they said it was just, they said seeing it on TV and pictures is one thing, but when you see it in person, and I had that experience in, when I worked, uh, volunteered with the Red Cross, because we, we went into West Liberty, Kentucky, after the whole entire town had been destroyed. Oh, and wow. We were there that afternoon and that evening when everybody was going into the shelter, Red Cross shelter, and we dr- had to drive through town. We got a military escort then. Um, and, I mean, you it hits you the hardest when you see a FedEx truck on top of a three-story building. Yeah, and you go yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just remarkable I mean it's just yeah. you know I, it, you, you can't describe you can't describe seeing a FedEx truck on top of a three-story building I mean no it, it just no. is it just shows you the power and then hearing the stories and there were a lot of people that died in that one and we were actually some of their relatives were in the shelter talking to us and you know telling their stories and it was just sad and and just ugh. yeah
6: yeah. yeah. And and you know we've we've got stretches of I forty east of town that are closed because they've got so many overturned semis and tractor trailers um, that that are all over the road and there's traffic. Imagine driving all over your Nashville. semi
0: in the rain. They couldn't see the tornado coming either. So imagine no. driving in the rain. It's pouring down rain. You're just trying to keep your damn truck on the road, and then all of a yeah. sudden you're tipped
2: over sideways. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. It, or it just, three stories it just, up on a building. Or <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's oh the boy. thing too is was there somebody in the fedex truck
0: yeah it yeah God, i don't stuff. know yeah so
6: yeah but our our airport on the west side of town john c toon airport which is our private airport it just decimated um all thou millions of dollars of airplanes just totally trashed and hangars.
0: just and you got more coming too right or is it going to be further east of you now Oh, uh, I okay. think it's going
6: to be, be be farther east. Okay. Uh, we've got some rain coming, I think, on Thursday, but, I mean, it's it's beautiful out right now. It's, yeah. it's like, going to be 60 today, and it's partly cloudy, and it's, it's just a beautiful day, just, so, you know, after the storm.
0: One other question, we'll let you go. Thank you for joining us and giving us kind oh, of sure. your update. What do you do? I mean, what do you do personally, yourself? Do you have a shelter, or...?
6: No, um, go go into the bathroom, get down low, uh, grab my dog, and and uh, you, right. know, a, a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know a pillow. Hope for the best because a lot of people do have have tornado shelters or storm shelters, but they're prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Um, and even then, there's still no guarantee. Well, we're glad you're okay,
0: and, you know, we feel bad for everybody down there and all the animals that are affected by this. There'll be a ton of those because there's a ton of horses in this area, so and dogs and cats and everything else. So, Absolutely. um, Our prayers are with everybody down there, and thanks, Lisa, for joining us. Appreciate it.
6: You are so welcome. Thank you.
0: I hate to uh, end a show on a negative, but...
2: (laughs) These pictures are really amazing, and it is just, you know... It's yeah. Terrifying. Wow.
0: I mean, it's terrifying because, you know, again, having lived through all these disasters and the hurricane, you just are mentally prepared by the time it gets there because you've been I, spending I, a week getting ready. Right. So, And
2: I didn't I never thought about that until you said it. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, even when we, we'd get the leftover hurricanes that would follow the coastline yep. up and. End up, up up there, and but you're right. You knew, you knew, you knew. And I think now that you say that, the the couple times that because there are tornadoes that will come, I just haven't been around and the the, the areas. And I, you're right. There was kind of a surprise factor there that was completely different than what I do remember about. Like you know, it's in Florida now. It's coming up here. Now it's losing strength. Now it's doing this. And you're right. Like it was just like whoa, right. this is happening.
0: Right. Yeah. So, but tornado, you have two minutes.
2: <laughs> oh
0: yeah yep <laughs> well again we, we feel bad for everybody down there and uh, we hope that uh, they recover quickly well Stacy where can people find your podcast
2: on any podcast player by searching my name Stacy Westfall you'll find it I think I'm at Episode 68, I think of you every time I, n- I number one of them because you're always like, yay, you're doing
0: it. <laughs> staceywestfall.com is where you can find everything else. Stacey, you can find all of yes. that there. It's a, it's a good website. So uh, check, at, check that out there. Uh, and of course, Ginny is at collaborationpartners.com. And, your and that s- new
2: podcast, that Western Dressage podcast.
0: Western Dressage at the Ooh-hoo. dressageradio.com. You can find that at Horse Radio Network. We have all of the shows, including Horses in the Morning. I updated, and when you now go to horsesinthemorning.com and scroll down to the middle of the page, you're going to find little graphics for all the monthly episodes, and Stacy's is there. When you click on that, it's going to bring you to a new landing page that has all of Stacy's past episodes here on Horses in the Morning. It's much easier to get to now, and it's it's... Much more intuitive, so I think you're going to find it easier to go back and listen to past episodes right there on the website at HorsesInTheMorning.com.
2: Tomorrow, I'm Jamie? So, yeah. I was going to say, I'm so glad that Equithrive jumped in and sponsored this so that I could be on here with you every month. I know. I'm it's fun. thankful. It's really
0: fun. Yeah, it's fun. And you yeah. don't remember being on with, with uh, Helene and I, do you, about t- 11 years ago?
2: i remember being on the show randomly over the years but to say specifically yeah. no <laughs> so you would have been on
0: one of the first podcasts about horses actually
2: awesome so. <laughs> I, I, now i'm going to have to dig that up and listen to it cuz that would be actually really
0: i have to look back and find it well th- then
2: i can process disappointment <laughs> or whatever apparently like what did i say
0: <laughs> but it's been funny for a little inside though i've been bugging i've been not bugging. I've been chatting with Stacy over the years. We'd see each other at events, and I'd always say you should do a podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's been years. We And it seems like we always saw each other about once, once every year or every other year. It's something. Uh, We'd run into each other, and then you got to hang out with Reese, and then we started chatting some more. But tomorrow, Jamie will be here with Debbie Laux, uh, host of the Horsemanship Radio Show, be filling in for me, and Jennifer will be here, and there's a special thing coming up tomorrow that you're all going to want to hear, so that's on tomorrow's show. And then uh, Thursday is the Driving Radio Show. I recorded that with Wendy, and that's some good stuff, and she's going to be talking about pandemics and uh, what to do about pandemics when it comes to traditional Chinese medicine. So that's on Thursday show. Ooh. Friday, we're going to have a best up for you because uh, I start into Podcast and I have a bunch of sessions to do. And I'm teaching an improv class. So oh. that should be a lot of fun, too. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't taught an improv class in years.
2: <clears throat> it's on my list of things to do since you, oh, you
0: suggested. You'd so good at it. You'd be great at it. So that's it. Have a good week, everybody. And I will talk to you next Monday, but there'll be shows for you. So tune in every day here at HorsesInTheMorning.com.
2: Thanks, Stacey. Thanks. Bye.